The Steve Lobby Agency presents The Christian Publishing Show, a podcast for writers who want to advance Christ's kingdom using the written word. Here's your host, Thomas Umstadt Jr. How can authors build a tribe of raving fans? To help us answer this question, today we will be talking with Alice Kreider, the editorial director at David C. Cook. We talked with her last week about trends in the industry, and now we're going to be talking about how to build a tribe. And Alice is the one to talk to about this. She's done it as an author, an agent, and as an editor. So Alice, what does it mean to build a tribe? Well, So I teach workshops at writers' conferences, and every conference I go to, I have at least one or maybe 10 different writers coming up and saying, so I really want to write a book. I really feel called to write a book, but do I really have to build a platform? Like, I don't even know where to start. What do I do? And they have this deer in the headlights look on their face. They look panicked and and overwhelmed because everywhere you turn, agents, editors, publishers, people teaching at writers' conferences say, well, you've got to build a platform because that's how you're going to get noticed and that's how people are going to pick up your book. And so I, I started seeing people being so overwhelmed. But then on my side of publishing, being on the inside, I'm looking at some of the best-selling authors I've ever worked with are authors who actually built relationships with real live people and kind of built what I call a tribe, you know, people who want to hear from a certain person and want to almost belong to their family. You know, it's like when you think of your most beloved authors, it's like you really actually want to know them personally. And some of the authors that have done so well in publishing over the years are those who started with, well, and one in particular I can think of, she started with just teaching Sunday school and the people in her Sunday school group wanted more from her. And they gave her so much feedback that she wrote some books that really landed with them And because she hit them with their books, I mean, because her stories landed so well with them, they actually landed well with everyone in that demographic and psychographic. So there are authors that are doing this without really realizing or without it being super intentional. And they're, in my mind, it's like, stop talking about building a platform and start getting out there and serving people. A platform to me is like somebody standing on a stage saying, look at me, I'm up here, you know, come follow me, here I am. And a tribe builder is someone who's out there looking for people to serve and serving them. It's amazing the impact of painting the red dot on the bullseye does. A lot of people are like, oh, my book is for women between the ages of 20 and 80. That's too broad, right? Like there's so many women in that category, right? There's illiterate women and there are women in other countries, women who don't speak English and women who don't believe Jesus is the son of God and and all kinds of denominational differences and women who are moms and women like so broad. And, And if you think of the Bible, right? The book that's for everyone. If you think about the New Testament, almost all of the books of the New Testament were written to very specific audiences, right? To the church of Corinth, right? And it was talking about the challenges of just the Corinthians or to Timothy, my dear brother in the Lord. It's a book written to a single guy. And, he, you know, he's talking about things just for Timothy 
And Paul will say things, you know, take a little wine for your stomach, right? The sort of thing that would have never been in a here's general Christian advice book. And yet, because it was written for that one person, it didn't exclude everyone else, right? Everyone can read Timothy and get something from it. It brings you in. It almost brings out the individual a little bit more. And it's really powerful. And if you don't know who your target reader is, if you don't know who you're trying to reach, and ideally the one person you're trying to bless, it makes everything so much harder, not just from a marketing perspective, but also from a writing perspective. Like, I'm not surprised at all that you're the example of the author you're talking about who was like, I have my Sunday school group of women, a certain kind of woman, I wanted to bless them, right? She was in the trenches. She knew the challenges that they had, and that kept her relevant, and it kept her where she was answering questions that her target audience actually wanted to hear the answers to. Exactly. So what are some of the biggest challenges authors face when it comes to building a tribe? I think the biggest challenge is the overwhelm of feeling like they have to do everything. They need to be on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, get a YouTube channel, you know, do Facebook Live, and you should be podcasting and, and build a speaking career. And, you know, it's, they just don't even know where to start. And so the challenge, I think, is they feel like they have to just get out there and start doing all of that before they've actually defined who it is they're looking for. So I like to say, really think of your audience as one person. Like, I love your illustration of, you know, write to Timothy, (laughs) just that one person. Look how many people Paul reached when he wrote to Timothy. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And I, but I'm like, so, you know, you want to be thinking about not just her age and her demographics, but like, what does she believe in? What is she complaining about? What is she hurting about? What's the problem she needs to solve? What's she worried about? Really get into her head and figure out what is it she needs. And if you can't do that in your own thinking, then you need to get out and talk to some people. See if you can find someone who actually represents your real audience and talk to them. Ask them questions. What do you need? What are you struggling with? What breaks your heart? What keeps you up at night? Because people, especially with nonfiction anyway, people don't just pick up a nonfiction book just to read a book. They pick up nonfiction to solve a problem most of the time. And people don't read. Nobody has to read. People only read because they want to. So that goes for fiction, too. They only are going to read if they want to. And a problem that they already feel that they have. And I think this is a really important distinction. Often, especially in Christian nonfiction, it's like, y'all are bad Christians. You need to become good Christians. And here's how to do it is the book. And often when you really dig into it, it's like, y'all are bad Christians because you're not more like me. Here's how you can become (laughs) more like a Christian like me. And it's like, no one wants to read that book. No one is waking up in the morning and be like, man, I feel like a bad Christian today. If only I could read a book that could help me be a better Christian. <laughs> it's like, that, that's, that's not a felt need. Now, there may be specific things that are felt needs. Like, oh my gosh, I'm really struggling with my weight. I'm wanting to lose weight. I feel like I'm sinning against God with uh, the food that I put in my body. What do I do? Well, it's like, well, suddenly you've got a felt need. I know authors who sell tons of books, you know, dealing with that exact felt need and and people find relief and they find healing and wholeness. And then they go and tell their friends and they sell more books and they've got themselves a nice, happy little ministry right there ministering to people. Uh, but they met them where the pain was, uh, not where their solution was. And I think that that is a real big mindset shift. Of uh, When you are trying to find readers for your book, 
you're doing it backwards. What you really need to be doing is finding a book for your tribe. You're like, I have a heart for single moms. What are the things that really they really struggle with? How can I bless them and help them get closer to Christ uh, based off of where they are right now? And suddenly that mindset shift of being a servant through your writing rather than a, a promo person changes everything. Right, right. So just like you can't walk up to someone on the street and start spewing advice at them. You, you also can't lead with a, your advice in a nonfiction book. You need to actually reach them with what they want and they know they want. So you might be able, you might know that someone who's eating too much has some emotional issue that if they just dealt with this emotional issue, then they'd be okay and they'd stop eating and they'd lose weight. But you can't walk up to them and say, Hey, I know you've got this emotional issue. You've, you've got to go, you have to meet them right where they're at and start with what they actually want. Yeah. When Jesus came up to the woman at the well, he's like, would you like to hear about eternal life? That's not how he started the question. He started the question talking to her about water. The very topic, you know, the very thing she was doing. She's like, oh, this water you're drinking, you know, this isn't living water. I could give you living water where you'll never thirst again. And suddenly he has her attention. And sure, he gets to the eternal elements and shares some like secrets with her that he's not exactly telling anyone else, uh, especially people who are hearing him. I feel like he told the disciples a couple of <laughs> times and Peter's still like, yeah, but where are you going? <laughs> he's like, I just told you five verses ago. Uh, but, but anyway, I love Peter. He, he's great. I, I, I relate to him uh, often to my chagrin. Um, but, you know, starting and meeting them where they're at is, is really powerful. And going back to something you said a few minutes ago that I really want underline that doesn't start on social media, that starts in real life. Uh, social media following is the cart. A lot of people think, oh, if I just get on social media, I can get a lot of attention by being on social media. It's like, that ship has sailed. <laughs> like, sure, you might have been able to pull that off in 2009 when just being on Twitter, you know, if you got there first, people would come and follow you. But it's not 2009 anymore. People are already following the people they're going to follow. Uh, the only reason someone's going to follow you online is if they first had an encounter with you in real life or somebody else that they've had an encounter with you on real life tells them about you. Just like the woman at the well, right? She has this encounter with Jesus. She goes and runs to her town and says, oh, you've got to meet this man. He just told me everything I ever did. And she brings the whole town um, with her. It's the same thing with social media. Social media is not the path to fame and and success in publishing. And it's so good to hear an editor saying that <laughs> because uh, it's so important. Yeah. And honestly, like we evaluate platform, if you want to call it that, every time we get a book proposal and we're looking at, you know, what do we think this author can do in the way of marketing their own book? And we're finding that social media numbers the numbers alone do not translate to book sales. Preach, preach. Yeah, I know. It's like, I get a witness. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like, I am so sorry to tell you, you've been spinning your wheels trying to build all these social media platforms just for the numbers, and you've missed the point. It's not about the numbers. It's, a mat it's really about the people. And you have to remember, people are not numbers. They're real-life people with real-life problems and real-life interests. And they, and more and more people really want to know who they're reading. 
Um, so it is good to use social media and be out there, be seen and be known, but it isn't the vehicle that's going to get you published or get you to sell books. That's exactly right. Readers want to read from authors they know, they like, and they trust. So they have to have heard of you. They have to like you, right? You've probably heard of Richard Dawkins, but you probably haven't read any of his books. Why? Because you don't like him, right? You, or you disagree with him. You already know what he's going to say. You don't want to read that. And that they trust. And if they're not going to trust you with their email address, why would they trust you with their money, <laughs> right? It's like, oh, I have <laughs> 10,000 people following me on Twitter. It's like, yeah, how big is your email list? Oh, it's about 200. It's like, okay, well, let me know when your email list is 10,000 people. Then we can talk. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. An email list is actually a little bit more, quite a bit more valuable these days, except that people don't like to open their email anymore. And so that's becoming a problem too. So, but, you know, going back to, you know, what you said about people want to read you if they know you, like you and trust you. Well, there's also the occasional person like Rachel Hollis, who all of a sudden shows up on the New York Times bestseller list and everybody's going, who is she? Where does she come from? Why should we read her? But she got started and got and went viral pretty quickly because some people did know her, like her, and trust her, and that helped her, get, you know, boost enough that she got national attention. And now it's like it's your friends are reading those books and they're being, you know, they're liking her. That's exactly right. If you want to create a ripple that spreads to the whole pond, you don't throw a handful of sand into the pond, you throw a large stone. And what Rachel did was she threw a large stone into a still pond and it rippled out far bigger than the initial stone. And that's ultimately the goal, I think, with every book launch and with the, with the promotion of a book is that you want to write a book that so thrills your target audience that they go and tell all of their friends about it. And she was already in the, I think, millions of followers before her first book came out. And when you're suddenly at those kinds of numbers, you can do things with social media. Like, yeah, you know, if only a small fraction of your, you know, Instagram followers buy your book and you have a million Instagram followers, you're still selling a lot of books. And in order to get that number of followers, you can't have been playing any of the little shortcut games that a lot of authors are doing to improve their numbers. Like you're actually engaging with your tribe. And if you work with people who have really big followings, they approach it very differently. They're not doing shortcuts. They are very much focused on the human being at the other end of the uh, screen and not on like, oh, well, if I can get 10 authors to follow me and we get this big loop and we all follow each other, we can all improve our numbers. It's not like that at all. It's all about thrilling a very specific kind of person. Yes. Yeah, that's good. All right. So we're almost out of time, but I wanted uh, to get any like quick tips uh, that you would have for authors who are wanting to take their tribe uh, to the next level or who are just getting started building their tribe. What are some things that we can start doing kind of over the next month? We've already talked about finding some real human beings and asking them questions. So what are some other things that we can do? The number one word I would say is value. You have got to deliver a boatload of value to your readers or your followers in order for them to feel like they're getting the better end of the deal. They're not just buying a book. A book anymore is is kind of like just another product. It's like, you know, if, when was the last time you went to a grocery or a store and you're looking for deodorant? It's like, how in the world do you even choose a deodorant or a tube of toothpaste? You know, it's like there's there's there are just products on the shelf. 
and books are kind of becoming that too. In fact, a couple of years ago at Christmas time, somebody said, don't give books. Books are not good gifts anymore. It's like, no, that can't be happening. But it's because books, books are a dime a dozen now, literally. And you can get free content in so many different places that authors really need to deliver a lot of value. And so either, you know, your writing has to be so great that people can't put you down because they're so engaged in the actual writing, or you need to think about what else can go with a book that adds value. So it does help if you, if they can get your book in print form, audio form, digital form, those things help. Um, you know, sometimes books uh, like Lisa Turkhurst has a new book out. I noticed the book is just like number two on a bestseller list. And then she's got a workbook to go with it. And so, you know, just figuring out ways to actually add value alongside the book. Maybe it's video components that, you know, the author does a series of video that, that people can access for free if they've read the book or if they bought the book. Um, but just value is the key word in my mind, um, because trying to throw spaghetti out there and watch it stick on the wall is not a good marketing plan. And lightning strikes sometimes, but not very often. That's not good a business plan either. <laughs> so just, you know, really think about your actual audience as if it was one person and think about, okay, I want to give them this message, but what else can I give them? And what else can I give them? And really brainstorm around how much value can you pack into one offering? That's really good. So basically what you're saying is if you want people to follow you, you have to be a servant and give them value. So it's, it was really all given to us by Jesus in the New Testament. There's nothing new under the sun, folks. <laughs> that old advice still works. I know. Go figure. We should just go back and read our Bibles. Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing reading all these books when it's all in that one book? <laughs> that's right. That's right. You, you thought it was just for spiritual living. It's got advice for every aspect of your life. In fact, uh, on my other podcast, uh, Novel Marketing, uh, my co-host, Jim, uh, does these big retreats uh, from time to time where we'll have 10 people out um, to a house somewhere. And he like really coaches them on building their brand and improving their writing and their marketing. It's this intense multi-day event. And, you know, he's a Christian and he has got all of this Christian advice in his um, courses, uh, in his training. But as the as it's gotten more popular, you know, I was just talking with him. He's like, I've got somebody coming to our next conference who's not a Christian. And I'm like, give the same advice, right? It's like, they don't have to believe the whole Bible to believe the parts that will help them. It's universal. Yeah. yeah. Let them, let them snack now. I was like, huh, that actually tastes better than I thought it would. And then they'll get a taste for it. Maybe they'll go on uh, to eat more of the Bible or, or maybe they won't, but don't, don't take those parts out because they really do work. It's a practical book, especially the new Testament. The teachings of Jesus are so practical. Anyway, we're preaching. I, I try not to do that too much on the Christian publishing <laughs> well, <you> show. Know, <laughs> on, a lot of those people following <laughs> Jesus weren't Christians yet either. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go, going back to, to Peter's like, yeah, but where are you going? It's like, have you heard nothing for the last two years? <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah. And, you know, in the day Jesus died, right, there were no Christians, right? All the proof 
in all of his message about resurrection, but there was no proof. He was dead. The movement was gone. And then suddenly he rose and everything changed. And for more about that, go to your local church on Easter. You'll hear all about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Alice, where can people find out more about you? Um, Well, I have a website, alicecrider.com. And people can find me there. I'm on uh, Facebook. I have a personal page and a business page, Alice Kreider. Um, yeah, those are the best places to see me, find me. All right. And we'll have a link to both of those places. We'll also have a link to the David C. Cook uh, website as well. This episode of the Christian Publishing Show is brought to you by the Christian Writers Institute. And our course of the week is Book Marketing, How Everything Has Changed and Nothing is New by Thomas Umstead. That's me. Uh, If you want to check that out, you'll learn essential marketing techniques that work every time and that don't change uh, with the changing of technology. And as always, you can use coupon code podcast to save 10%. Alice, thank you so much for joining us today on the Christian Publishing Show. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Thank you for listening to the Christian Publishing Show. For more information and to get episodes delivered to your phone automatically, visit christianpublishingshow.com.